0: What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk, the podcast, the insurgent bi-weekly audio syllabus that is your favorite feminist favorite podcast. I am Money, the clean house cutie. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> That's quite a
0: feat. All right. You, why you always have to shade my intro? I, I don't shade your intros. You you shade me in so many other
1: parts of life that I feel I like don't. it's okay. I think I've been this trying one, to be nice to okay. you trying to be that doesn't sound harmful at all (laughs) anyway and oh man who am i this week i am you know what i think i'm back to old uncle nucky
0: uncle nucky has made a reappearance yeah that's right i'm back Mm, can't wait to hear these curved chronicles drop the intro
1: Your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe incite my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me? We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, nice, brightest light, I'm loving your soul They hate you, replace you, hate you, but notice that you go We're a continent, I just want you to jiggle a little bit Move them hips, feel that bliss, hug your sis, make a fist Don't resist your temptation, you are amazing, no limitation My favorite in this matrix, we move by your vibration And that's love, I hope you hear that on the daily Cause baby you love, I
0: hope you hear that on the daily Cause baby you love, baby, you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, baby, your love, you love. Baby. All right, Nikita, uh, do you want to let folks know before we get into the episode where they can find us on the social media streets?
1: Yes. You know, I love to tell the listeners where they can find us. And I'm going to tell you right now. First, on Instagram and on Twitter, you can find us at queer w-o-c-p-o-d you can also find us on the book of faces facebook.com slash queer w-o-c-p-o-d and you can find it find us on tumblr where this whole shebang began queerwalk.com
0: yes yes and where can they listen
1: they can listen to us on stitcher soundcloud Castbox. Pocket Cast in all of the other major places where you can listen to podcasts, except for the scrounging, no good
0: Spotify. <laughs> wow, we're never going to be mainstream. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so surprised it took this long, but with the last episode, we got our first like troll bot. Oh, did we? I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. It was like... um uh, this is anti, uh, what is it called? This is anti-Semitic. And then it was like, hashtag Zionist, hashtag this, hashtag that. Oh and I'm pretty my sure it's I know, we made it, didn't wow. we? Wow. <laughs> kind of amazing uh, that we've gone this long without. Yeah. Racist, bigoted garbage. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like, we've definitely had, like, Palestine in the name of episodes before, but I guess they finally found us, Nikita. Officer Prosciutto leaked yeah. our files.
1: And for those who don't know, Officer Prosciutto is the officer who we think is assigned to us from the NSA. <laughs> so, hey, Prosciutto. <laughs> how you doing?
0: All, All right. right. Money? So, so besides leaking our... uh files uh there are other ways that you contribute can contribute to queer walk the podcast (laughs) Uh, (laughs) the first way is by loving us out loud now this way is free 99 all we ask you to do is do the r's rate us on whatever platform you're listening to us on leave a review request a topic or um request a queer walk of the week Repost the episodes when we post them, put them in your stories, do all those amazing things. Retweet us when we're active in the Twitter streets and use the hashtag QueerWOC or hashtag QueerWOCPOD to talk all things the podcast or to reply and like let us know what y'all think of the episodes. The second way that you can contribute to QueerWalk and help us continue um, through all of the audio struggles and <laughs> struggles of putting the episode together is by giving us your money um, you can do that one of two ways one is like a non-committal way and that's the cash app that's dollar sign queerwalk pod pod you can give as much or as little as you can no commitment via the cash app or you can become a monthly sustainer over on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash QueerWalkPod where you can find some exclusive perks just for patrons. Um, and it's just a monthly small contribution to make sure that we are able to keep this coming and uh, keep all the things going that go into podcasting and be able to do all the things that we want to do for QueerWalk.
1: And I would just say... That you can edit it as you see fit. So you know, oh yeah, when that because we know it's tax time. So go ahead and donate that fifty dollars a month for the next few months, <laughs> and then when your financial situation changes, we we will have no qualms with you editing it down or to five <laughs> editing it up. That's right. <laughs> oh my God! Of course, and last but not least, if you want to shoot us a, an email, you know, for those, who, those of you who might be a little bit more coy, coquettish, shy, you know, you don't want everybody seeing what it is that you want to share with us, you can send something a little bit more personal Something a little bit more private. You can shoot that right onto our Gmail, which is queerwalkpod at gmail dot com. And one of those things that you can submit is a curved chronicle. So that's when you tell us one of your dating woes and or wins.
0: All right, Nikita, do you want to move it on along to the queerwalk, queerwalk, queerwalk of the week of the week. Wow. Okay. Thanks for ruining that. Segment?
1: (laughs) Okay. You just needed to get that last word in or?
0: I really did. Um, Nikita, can you tell folks what the Queer Walk or sometimes Queer Pac of the Week segment is? So the Queer Walk slash Queer Pac of the Week
1: segment is a segment where we highlight, amplify, and just give their roses to a wonderful Queer Walk or Pac doing some amazing um, thing that we think you all should know about.
0: Yes, and um, I'm just gonna do this one. Yeah, for so, the last episode.
1: It's so funny because I had we had ta- we had already talked about me doing the queer rock of the week for this episode, but Money was like, uh-huh. you know, you know, a control freak is gonna control freak. So
0: take, I'm not a control freak. Take it away. Um, I'm particular, and I just you, we usually do take turns, but I thought that this was better. Okay, oh, so. wow, just. <laughs> Just, okay, just, you know what? I
1: love that there's no shame in your game. It's like, your contribution is trash. Mine is better.
0: All right. That is not, that's not what I said. Um, I just thought it would be a fun way to end Black History Month with some uh, maybe not well-known black queer history. So, Queer Walk of the Week this week is actually a couple. Um, Lucy digs slow. And Mary Burrow, uh, and I—I I got this information from Black Women Radicals that um, made me dig a little bit more and to get some more information to sort of flesh out this segment. So shout out to Black Women Radicals. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter. Um, they're amazing as far as uh, truly, absolutely learning underrepresented um, history about Black folks. All right. So Nikita posted this, uh, the, like, picture on our Instagram. And so I was like, hmm, let me find out some more about Lucy Diggs-Slow and Mary Burrow." So for folks who might be thinking Lucy Diggs' name sounds really familiar, uh, she was among the one of the first, if not the first, uh, dean of a college. She was the first dean of women at Howard University. And the first principal of the first Black junior high school in Washington D.C. Um, so a lot of firsts for her, and her first don't stop there, because she was also a founder of Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority. Which is, <laughs> let me let me stop before the K's uh, come. The comes to me. get you. Uh, <laughs> I, um, yes, she was also a founder of Alpha Kappa Alpha, which for folks who don't know, it's the first. Black, historically black uh, sorority founded at Howard University. Wow. Lucy was just like,
1: if there's a second place, it means you're garbage. (laughs) She was just like, first, first,
0: first, first, first. She was like, what does it take to be number one? Because two is not a winner. And three, nobody remembers. She's like, three, nobody absolutely remembers. Damn. If I ain't the first, I ain't doing it. Right, all right. Um, yeah, so she just paved a way for black women in higher education spaces uh, and also for um, set the mold for a lot of, like, English professors uh, and black people pushing politically within higher education spaces in the 20s, right? Alongside her, her... Life partner Mary Burl. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about Mary Burl as well because their stories are so intertwined. So Mary was an English teacher and a playwright um, who was really respected by a lot of the writers in the Harlem Renaissance. Uh, so fitting because it's nineteen twenties, twenty twenties, you know, twenty twenty. Um, twin. <laughs> you finally got it. Oh. <laughs> Plays that Burrow wrote um, were mostly dramas about the cultural activities of the black elite during the 1920s. (laughs) I bet they was messy. Um, She was the play director of the high school play for 30 years at Dunbar High School, um, which was not only the high school she attended, uh, but was one of the leading black academic schools in the country uh, at the time. So, and I just think about those kind of teachers who are there for, like, you know, your mama had them, right. then you had them. Exactly. Like, they're staples, staples in the community. So, while Lucy Diggslow and Mary Burrell never publicly identified as lovers, I mean, whatever you want to say publicly identified is in the 1910s and 20s. Right. Um, one thing is clear. The two of them were devoted to each other and, like, lived their lives together. Okay, so I'm going to tell y'all about a conflict. Oh, y'all. Yeah. Okay, so uh, like I said, Lucy was the first dean of women at Howard University. And after 10 years of serving in this position, uh, the tr- board of trustees tried to force her to move onto campus and to live in a dorm in order to serve in her role as the dean. So she fought to continue to live in the home that she owned with Burl, um, off campus. And she, uh, she like based her fight on like sexism, right? Like they would never, they never asked any of the male deans to live on campus, right. but they were asking her to live on campus. Um, and But she also stated that it would be a huge uh, economic loss for her because she owned this house with Burl, mm. which again is really rare for black for women time, right absolutely. at this time yeah um and I just think like hello that's that's obviously like up front the two of them owning this house together, but also Howard University would not allow Burl to move onto campus with Lucy, so Lucy was like, no, I'm not moving on to campus oh, she's like, they not coming cancel exactly um that's why i'm like when you look back at history you know you just have to read between the lines cuz of course they're not going to say oh and um her lesbian companion of <laughs> of 10 years is not allowed to move on campus you know they use words like her um her friend her dear friend right. her uh you know all this is like okay but, yeah, so for all those reasons, she fought Howard University and ended up winning the right to, like, live off campus and keep her job as the dean of women. So I wanted to read this from—this um, is actually from Burroughs' great-great-niece. Uh, so she she decided to, like, look into her great-great-aunt's history, um, like, current day now. And this is, like, 80 years after this is happening, Right. Um, and so she writes, we know the reason she wasn't married, Mary, (laughs) (laughs) obviously, um, but uh, she continued, even now the family doesn't discuss it. We tend to be old school in thinking, um, and her, her great, great niece's name is Shirley Thomas, who's in her seventies right now. Um, And she said, but I respect her for that. She went her own route. She made her own journey. And basically, for all intents and purposes, she did it without a man. When Lucy died in 1937, Mary wrote her eulogy and paid for all of her funeral arrangements. She wrote in a poem after Lucy died, To my good friend Lucy, whose sympathetic encouragement induced me to write these lines. I dedicate them with the hope that someday I may show my better self to the world. So, um, as you can see, it was like they were they were living authentically as themselves uh, in in whatever way the times did allow. Um, and another thing that the uh, current uh, director at the Stonewall Center found in um, piecing together the history of the couple is that they documented everything. Um, obviously they were both two English teachers. They wrote everything down. They kept everything. The director of the Stonewall Center described it as, uh, like a careful record keeping that both of them had, like these systems of record keeping, but there are almost no letters or written communication between the two of them. And so the director of the Stonewall Center said that this absence speaks volumes and that it's It's especially odd for the era that they were living in. Mm. So it feels like they just had to protect their relationship.
1: I feel like that's something that's starting to be, um, well, I guess not starting to be, but I feel like that's something we talk about on the show a lot. Like the importance of like archiving and documenting our histories, Mm -hmm. because it's like, I mean, we know that if not who, if not us, then who, you know?
0: Then who? Yes,
1: yeah. So I'm. I'm so glad to um, see and hear that you know they did so much work to to keep their lives and their histories um, preserved, preserved and alive. Yeah, that's so beautiful.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So from from the house that they own together, which still stands. Um, it's not in either of their families anymore, but it is still a family house. Uh, I think uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority has been, like, a part of maintaining it and making sure that it stays a house to the, you know, the documents of their life. Uh, and so so on that on that same note, after Lucy died in 1937, uh, she died of, like, a liver disease. And she was really young. She was in her 50s. Jeez. Dozens of letters from women that she had helped while they were students at Howard. Um, Students wrote about their house being like a safe haven for women at Howard. So Mary just got flooded with all of these letters and telegrams uh, with condolences for uh, Lucy's loss. And um, so the person at uh, the Stonewall Center, who's like, you know, organizing their archives, said that, they just really wanted to point point out that these letters did not go to Howard University. They didn't go to Lucy's family. They went to Mary, mm. right? And um one letter from uh a former coworker at Howard read As a life companion of Miss Slow, I am sure that there is no one who knows her life better than you mm. to marry. Um and so a life yeah, life companion. That's just, it, you know, I mean, you know, it's 1937. <laughs> um, But yeah, so I just, I'll post a link to, there's like a Washington Post article um, and the article from Black Women Radicals. But I just thought that this love story between these two, uh, you know, incredible women who... Did a lot in their own rights during the 1920s was just an amazing way to end Black History Month in 2020, 100 years after their love. Oh my so. God, that is so wonderful! Thanks so
1: much for sharing this important tidbit and piece of history with us, Muddy. I guess I'll oh, I guess okay. I'll I'll forgive you for just totally bulldozing right over my uh, queer walk of the week. So thanks for that.
0: Oh no problem. So Ashay to. <laughs> Ashay to Lucy Diggs Slow and Mary Burrow, who, you know, are lesbian foremothers. Yes. And gay Greeks, which is a series that I did on this podcast. That's true. <laughs> and be sure to drop a link to that episode in there too. Oh yeah, I will. Alrighty. Mm-hmm. You know, I I mean, of course, I always knew this because, you know, I'm Greek myself and I'm just like, the people who keep these organizations running are the queers, but whatever, we can we can act like that's not the case. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. (gasps) All right, Nikita, let's move it on along to Community Contributors. Wow.
1: Wow.
0: It gets more ridiculous
1: every time I hear it. Okay. (laughs) Wow, 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 wow. Are you, I feel like you just keep making it up as you go. This is—I
0: don't—we don't—we don't have a
1: a thing for community contributors. We'll, we'll just—we'll keep—we'll keep letting you make a fool of yourself <laughs> with your—I I hesitate to call it a jingle, but with what did Blanche say? With whatever little ditty you just croaked out. <laughs> wow. Anyway. Um. The Community Contributors segment is a segment where we get to hear from you all, from the community. So, just some shout-outs here. So, shout-out to one of our new patrons, Dennis. Thanks, Dennis. We appreciate you so much. And I don't know if Dennis did his taxes, but I bet he did. (laughs) And that's one of the reasons why he decided to become a sustainer of this program. And if you want to be like Dennis, you too can also become a sustainer and a patron. Anyway, uh, some more of our tax refund friends on the Cash App. Shout out to Ernestine, who gave two donations. Yes. must have been a hefty, healthy tax refund <laughs> on that end. So, shout Thank out you, to you, Ernestine. Ernestine. Thank you so much. And... Thank you to Sherry for coming through on the
0: cash app.
1: Is that uh, Sherry, Sherry?
0: Yes, that's Sherry, Sherry. Homegirl, Sherry. Okay. You know we love you, Sherry. <laughs> we sure do. Whose birthday just passed too. Happy belated.
1: Happy belated, hmm. Sherry. And now to the section of the community contributors where we show that borders are fake, we're going to go to our
0: small town shout outs. And that's, that's just. What, we should call this borders are fake because these are not small towns. That's what we should call this segment or this piece of the community contributors. Okay. Borders, borders are, fake. are fake. Yes. All right. So
1: the first one is, is this a Gloucester VA, it,
0: Virginia? Is
1: it, I thought it was Gloucester. There's this place near uh, in the region where my family lives and they say it, Gloucester. Oh, so, so maybe it that. is. Yeah. And whoever is in Gloucester slash Gloucester, I'm sure you will uh, tell us of the correct pronunciation. So thank y'all so much. And VA for holding us down. And, oh man, I don't even want to butcher this name. But it's, what is this? Yaound?
0: Yaounde? Cameroon? Yaounde. Cameroon. Yaounde. So shout out to the continent for yes. showing up. And I actually looked this up. Uh, that this is actually the capital of Cameroon and they have what? 3 million people.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. So, okay. Nothing not a, small about that.
0: Nothing small. <laughs> not
1: a town. Not even small. But they do deserve the shout out. Okay. Shout out to Yonde. <laughs> shout out. Yeah. Shout out to Yonde. And Naperville, Illinois. What pray tell happens in Naperville? I don't know, but I know that you all listen to Queer Walk and we appreciate it. <laughs> Thank y'all. Thank y'all so much.
0: But really, Naperville it sounds dangerous. <laughs> anything with a ville, I remember one time it, my uncle told me anything with a ville or a, a, a coordinate like a yeah, like northeast, southwest, just stay away from just, it. it.
1: It just seems like Naperville probably only only through law like started letting black people live there. <laughs> probably like. Nineteen ninety five, you know what I mean? <laughs> and they did it begrudgingly in ninety five, you know? But who knows?
0: Yeah. I mean maybe we could be totally wrong. We could be it totally
1: could... wrong. It could be it could be like a black Mecca. We yeah. we don't know. So anyway, <laughs> let us know what's what's shaking down in Naperville. <laughs> Do we wanna move it on along? Two I would say the crowning glory, the the shining gem. Of this show.
0: Not the shining
1: gem. The shining, the crown jewel. The crown crystal, one might say. This is the mental moment with money. And the mental moment with money is a segment where money, with her infinite, therapeutic, empirically supported, long-time-been-in-school-forever knowledge. Wow. Related to... All things anyway, she gives us tidbits, insights, a list, an acronym of something that can improve our well-being and our quality of life. You know I'm teasing. You take I just say you've been at school forever, because it takes a long time to get these
0: credentials. It does. And you know, the next time y'all listen to this, I will have those credentials. I'll be a PhD.
1: I um. cannot believe. That, oh, my God. Okay. So I just got excited and nervous,
0: and I don't have nothing to do with this. <laughs> yes, you do. Nikita, you've been, you've been here. You've been my only, like, constant through all of this.
1: And I want you to remember that in those oh moments. My God,
0: I'm not even going to tell you
1: some of the things that money has said to me in recent days off the mic. But I anyway, have not that. F- nothing to the show, y'all. You know what? It's I'm looking at the notes, for, and I'm really going to need this mental moment because I'm not going to get into it now, but let's just go ahead with the mental moment with money. <laughs> Take it away, money.
0: <laughs> See, this is so hard to do because I actually like you. So when we do a podcast together, the amount of laughing that I edit out of each episode, y'all, y'all just don't know. Are you
1: going to tell them that we were on the phone the other night and you called me ugly? <laughs>
0: Do you remember that, Martinique? Um In the words of uh, black black feminist revolutionary, Mia don't you dare, Diamond? Can you take that out? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, so you, so it's funny that you want to invoke black feminism, and black feminism is all about truth telling. But you're not going to tell them how you called me ugly on the phone the other night, Nikita. How you said that I was raggedy I and didn't...
0: busted. Is this what you want to be a part of your, uh, your archives, Nikita? These lies, I did no, not say that. No, it's the truth. That. But anyway,
1: we're off task, and I'm, I see the topic you're talking about, and I'm need no, no. this to deal you, with the fact you wanted
0: to do this. Let's do it on mic, on air. What happened, y'all? Was <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so I, the reason why I'm the clean clean house cutie is because like um, a month ago I was in a really dark place, and I hadn't cleaned my apartment since. And for those of y'all who have been to my apartment, like, I really like it to be nice. Really like it to be nice. And so I had done my laundry at Nikita's house um, because she has free laundry services at her place and decides to to let me use them because she's a community-ass bitch. But, because I was depressed, I left my clothes in her dryer. (laughs) And Nikita... (laughs) Balled up my clothes, okay, and threw you can t- them. You
1: can al- okay in my basket. I don't even need to. I don't even need to explain to the listeners so, that melodramatic money is embellishing here.
0: Y'all know that when you take clothes out of a dryer, and they might even still be a little damp, that you have to fold them because they will become irreparably wrinkled, and that's what happened to my clothes. Um, Nikita doesn't mind wrinkled clothing. I'm wow. wrinkle That's not true. That's not true, and that's disrespectful to my mom because that's not how she raised me. <laughs> and that's so, not how she raised me. So what she said was that nobody cares that I should have came and got my little raggedy clothes. That's what she said. <laughs> I don't. And, I don't recollect that. And I said, <laughs> what I said in response to her was that it was only a day, Nikita. Like I was. That's I was not what super, she said. I was super and down she, for no. a day, and we all know. That I be having the cutest outfits, and, and that's months, just no. a fact. Like that's just pure fact. Like it's documented, and okay. <laughs> and so I was like, just just cause you be walking around looking any kind of way. No, the, <laughs> no,
1: she's trying to tame it. No, I, it's, I just it's very interesting to me where money feels the need to embellish and where she needs. <laughs> feels compelled to really kind of tamp down on what it is that she said. Mikito. She was just like, just cause you walk around town, look, look in any old kind of way, that's, looking a mess, looking raggedy. does not mean that the rest of that. She said, and she's like, just cause you choose to look, look like a raggedy, ugly mess. 90% of the time doesn't mean that the rest of us have to do that. And I, I was didn't like, say
0: raggedy or ugly. Yes, you. She, did. she
1: said 90% of the time. And I, and so me I didn't say hurt.
0: a percentage. I think she I said think most you of the feel, time you feel that way. So no, you're misremembering the, my words. No, that's not what happened. And I was like, "Wow, money!" I was like,
1: "Do we even still have a friendship left? A friendship left?"
0: Can I do my segment?
1: You're going to talk about self-love, and it's re- <laughs> and after you've brutally destroyed me in the way that you have, Nikita. I'm really going to need this. It's so, without <laughs> further ado,
0: without further ado, money. I, I want you to continue. If you had a problem, because I'm, I'm going to need this. If you had a problem, you should have said it. Why you wait till oh. we get on here? Victim blame. <laughs> why? Why you? Why you acting a mess when we out
1: in public? She's like a stone's throw away from that.
0: <laughs> Just remember that Ooh, you balled. You balled up your, take, your. I didn't depressed ball up friends. <laughs> clothes. You tied them into knots. You threw okay. them into my basket, just remember that, and the mental moment with money, <laughs> all right, y'all so when I'm not bickering with my bestie <laughs> i I'm always looking for like ways to take I don't know to make sense of like uh like mental healthy relational therapy stuff and what pe what wave like people are on like on social media and stuff. And so like the love language thing has been really popular lately. I think I think it connects to some basic tenets of like relational therapy even though it's not it's not like a psychological or like therapeutic thing. Um but there are things that we can do personally that do connect to those things kind of like uh coping skills if you will. So People have been talking a lot about love languages. I want to talk about self-love languages. Because a lot of times the love language conversation is directed uh, towards someone else. Like, how can someone else show you love? How do you give love? So I want to talk about self-love languages. This is inspired by a post um, by brown girls who brew High on uh, Instagram. So shout out to them for inspiring this mental moment. So I want us to just take a minute and think about how are we intentionally uh, thinking about the ways we love ourselves, you know, the same way we do with other people. How are you intentionally loving yourself? Do you know what things register to you as self-love? So I'm about to give you all some suggestions inspired by or riffing off of the love languages that everybody is talking about that we can use to self-love. Y'all ready? I'm ready. Okay, Nikita. Thanks. (laughs) Okay, so a love language that people might have heard about is a physical touch as their love language. If that love language resonates with you, you might need to feel your self-love. How you can do that, showing yourself self-love through feeling, is by taking a hot bath, and I love dressing up my bath, like putting flowers in it, maybe some candles around. I always got the crystals popping in the bathroom, you know, just completely submerging myself in like the hot bubble bath in the whole experience. Right. Another way you can feel your self-love is by stretching giving your body some good space in it, you know, maybe through yoga or maybe you just do like I do. I put on like an hour long episode or something and I just randomly stretch through the whole episode, like, (laughs) like whatever I feel like my body needs to move. Um, That's what I do. That's such a good idea. Yeah, I love it because then I'm like, oh, I stretch for a whole hour. All right. Another suggestion I have for feeling self-love is giving yourself a massage, I love giving myself um, those like hand massages like they do when I get a uh, manicure and they just be like, you know, rubbing all in between your fingers and in the palm of your hand. I love doing that to myself. <laughs> it is. Oh! I, <laughs> and the same with my feet. All right. And the last suggestion I have for feeling self-love is to rub your body down with some oils. You know, like I, I do this every day with shea butter. Just, you know, whole body rub down. Oh, oh, maybe that's not my last suggestion because I also suggest uh, self-pleasure as feeling self-love. I mean, that was
1: my first thought when you said that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was um, laughing so hard on Valentine's Day when uh, Sam uh, posted the picture of the hose with their Valentine's and hers was the vibrator. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So feel that self-love. So y'all know that, uh, well, maybe y'all don't know if y'all haven't seen the love language stuff going around. But there's five different types. So the first, the first one I just covered is the physical touch one. And so my suggestions for uh, self-love is feel, right? So the second love language that people love to talk about is quality time, like time spent. Um, so the way you can do this to express self-love is to be present with yourself. What better way to do that than meditating? I always like to say this when I talk about meditation on here meditation does not have to look like the um, textbook uh, examples of that, of sitting down someplace for 10 to 30 minutes and just completely um, like blocking out everything and going to that place of silence. My meditation looks a lot like playing some really rhythmic heavy, like, trap beat that, like, just kind of drowns out whatever else my brain is trying to do. Um, So that's what my meditation looks like. Uh, Being still and listening to some trap. Spend time with yourself by doing things you usually do with others alone. This is another way to be present with yourself. I know Nikita loves to do this. She goes out for a beer or uh, takes herself to dinner. Yeah, I just...
1: I just took myself out the other day because I'm uh, working out of town and I treated myself to a very nice seafood dinner.
0: So, yes, being present with yourself by doing something that you would usually do with others alone. Another way to be present and show yourself self-love is to prioritize sleep and hobbies that you like. Okay. All right. It's just different neurological pathways when you do something out of pleasure.
1: I feel like you need a whole new podcast called Neurological Pathway because, <laughs> it, like, like you could be talking about crystals and somehow you would work in something about the neurological pathways.
0: It's just so fascinating to me that our brain, like, literally registers things differently. Depending on like the texture, the temperature, our mood, um, how we feel towards it. You know, it's just, it's, it's fascinating to me. I feel
1: you. You know, I just love to tease you. All right. Off we go.
0: I'm a nerdy bitch. I can't help it. All right. Um, the third self-love language is based off of the love language of gift giving. Um, and so this self-love language is absorbing, absorbing self-love. Buy things for yourself that you actually like. Um, I think I said this on the Valentine's Day ones. Like, don't wait for somebody else to get something that you want. Get it for yourself. Get rid of things that do not make you feel like you love yourself. So, an example of this would be like clothes that don't fit. Mm. um, Or uncomfortable chairs. Like, I've done this so many times. Like, I just get rid of the chairs in my house because I'm like, every time I sit in it, it just is so uncomfortable. It doesn't make me feel good. Um, like, I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. So I'm going to get rid of it and I'm going to get me some comfortable chairs that are thick thigh friendly. You know? Mm. Um, another way to absorb self-love is to travel. Um, a lot of times when you put yourself in a new experience, you find out new things about yourself. Right? That is so true. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, I really try hard not to make these be like, uh, y'all need a passport type of <laughs> suggestions. <laughs> it's like travel could just look like driving to a city over, you know, like I'm still planning on taking a trip to Buffalo and that's like two hours from here. I could drive there. Right. But, right. um, I've never been to Buffalo. And so I want to check out Buff, you know, you can absorb self-love by volunteering, um, helping others, and investing in yourself. So if there's a class that you've always wanted to take, signing up to take that class, uh, finally paying for your licensure exam, like I did. Uh, fine, yeah, like, uh, ooh, paying for like an ad to get your, the word out there about your services. Ooh, this um, is really
1: good. I love this one.
0: Yeah, These are ways that you can gift give to yourself and absorb that self-love. All right. The fourth self-love language is doing self-love. And this is based on acts of service love language. So this is when you like do things for other people to show them that you love them. Um, So to do it for yourself. Very simple. Um, Clean your favorite part of the house. That's my first suggestion for doing self love. Like I said, I'm on this whole cleaning wave right now. I just feel so good. My house looks good as fuck. You know, <laughs> I'm ready to entertain. Um, but <laughs> 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 but you know, I love cleaning my living room and my I don't even know what you call this this room when you walk into my house. It's like where I have my accessories and my desk. Yeah. It's my it's my waiting room. You know, my my welcoming area. I sound like such a bougie bitch, but like uh that's one of the perks of living upstate. It's like Syracuse is so affordable. My apartment is very big. Um so I have this like multifunctional room and I love cleaning those two spaces because I get to um entertain in those spaces. So when, you know, when they're clean, I feel like, "Oh shit, time time to get social."
1: Yeah, um, that's like my bedroom and my kitchen. Your bedroom, and your yeah, kitchen. Cause
0: it, okay, nigga. because yeah. you know you,
1: you you just mentioned sleep a minute ago. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I rest better when my room is clean. Oh, I and definitely do. Yeah, Mahtab, don't try to make me out to be like some kind of pervert.
0: I'm not not pervert. I mean, you're a healthy adult. You know, I don't know what you be doing over there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, get through this segment without getting hurt, please. All right. Um, Indulge in grooming yourself to do self-love. So do your hair. I do this all the time. I'll plan a day, like in the month, where I'm just going to do my hair that day. Uh, Give yourself a pedicure. When's the last time you gave yourself a pedicure?
1: So what is that? That, Another way to put that is do your hair toss, check your nails. (laughs) Baby, how you feeling?
0: Feeling good (laughs) as hell. (laughs) I didn't even notice that when I was writing this down. Thanks, Nikita. Uh, (laughs) That's why we do it as a team, champ. (laughs) (laughs) Another way to do self-love is to schedule to have your car serviced or some other appointment that you've been putting off or, in my case, that you wish somebody else would do for you. It's like, why why do adults have to be responsible for everything in our lives? Yeah. Um, Oof. Yeah. So just schedule it, you know, so you have it on your calendar and you could do it. Doing self love. Fix yourself a good meal with dessert. Cause that's that's what like puts it over, you know. That's when you like doing something special for yourself. It's not just routine of like shit, if I if I wanna eat, I gotta cook. Make you ooh, do a dessert too. A sweet, you know? You know I love a sweet goodness. Yes. Actually, right. you don't,
1: you, you know what my sweets are, <laughs> I
0: give muffins. myself a
1: nice brand muffin,
0: you right, <laughs> <laughs> you're old ass, all right, and last but not least, um, is thinking self-love or speaking self-love, um, based on the love language of words of affirmation. So if you're not familiar with words of affirmation, it's just how it sounds. It's just uh, you receive love best when it's spoken, when people say it. Um, So to do this for yourself, to speak self-love, write a daily affirmation on a mirror. So like maybe it's the mirror you brush your teeth in in the morning or whatever. Just, you know, take a, a dry erase marker and write an affirmation on that mirror. Practice an affirmation. So like, say it out loud. What's your affirmation that you wrote on the mirror? Speak it over and over again to yourself while you're brushing your teeth. Recite mantras to yourself. Like, um, you know, one of my favorites. I love myself. The quietest, simplest, most powerful revolution ever. Nayar Wahid. Write about yourself. Or um, Nikita pointed out. Last time I suggested writing, even though I love writing, uh, to voice memo about yourself, you know, get in the practice of talking about yourself and affirming yourself, update your CV or your, whatever way, whatever way you track your accomplishments. It might not be a CV for you, but it might be something else. Um, maybe it's updating your website or updating your Instagram. You know, how do you track your accomplishments Talk about yourself positively to other people. Yeah, so those are the ways you can talk and think self-love if your love language is words of affirmation. So, I'm going to run down the five again. Self-love languages. One is feel self-love based on physical touch. Two is be present with self-love based on quality time. Three is absorb self-love based on gift-giving. Four is do self-love based on acts of service. And the last one is think or speak self-love based on words of affirmation.
1: Monique, well, this is so good. And I feel like I just want to say that I feel like even if you're partnered, it's still important for you to do this for yourself. You
0: know what of I mean? Of course. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm hmm. This is really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I and I just um was thinking about like how pouring out the narrative of love is, especially cuz you know February with Valentine's Day and all that stuff. Right. Um it's just always other focused and so I just wanted, you know, the to kind of shift the conversation a little bit to be self-focused too. To pour back in. Absolutely. Yeah. Mhm. It's necessary.
1: This is so good. I really appreciate this. And yeah. I I feel like I appreciated this because I'm like, oh, like as you were talking about it, I'm like, these are things that I like already do on some level, you know? Mm, So I feel like that, mm -hmm. that can feel affirming to be like, I'm not just, you know, it's not like starting from zero, you know? Right,
0: right. Yeah. You got something to work with.
1: That's something that I feel like you always really stress. Like that's your whole approach to therapy, right? It's like we already, a lot of us already have tools you know it's Absolutely. just like how do we develop a few more or sharpen the ones that we already have so i really really appreciate this
0: oh no problem i'm glad it was helpful and i'm just thinking about what you said about relationships and um like doing this work even in relationships so uh one of the quotes because i said this was inspired by brown girls who brew high um, the caption for their post that inspired this was embracing your own self is the hardest thing to do. But one of the biggest lessons of being human. That's right. And it's like you, you always have to be doing that work, even if you're in relationship, you yeah, know? Yeah. And that's, that's not just a romantic relationship. That's any relationship. Like, any. Yep, ev- yep. yeah, even if you're, you have a super healthy Um, parent-child relationship with your primary caregivers, you still have to love on and care for yourself, you know? Um, It can't all be outsourced, because what happens if that person goes away? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: Or even if they don't go away, I feel like it can be very easy to just, like, to, like, I guess, how do I want to say it? Like, you put the onus on them, and then you're still, like, never doing these things to, like, care for your... To, like, love and appreciate and affirm yourself. Do you know what uh-huh. I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It's like the locus of control is all external.
1: External. You Nailed don't,
0: it. Yeah. So you don't have any, like, self-efficacy efficacy that you yeah. can do it for yourself. Yeah. Yep. So I hope this uh self-love languages helps and love on yourself. And use the hashtag to tell me ways that you already show yourself love. Yes. Hashtag. Queer WOC. We are gonna move it into my favorite segment. I've I've come up with a new alliterative alliterative. Oh, I can't talk today. I've come up with a new alliterative introduction for Nikita's segment. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Okay. Y'all ready, community contributors? This is that new new that 2020 That new shit. And now let's listen to our lesbian luminary labor lecture by Nikita. (laughs) Oh, man.
1: (laughs) That's nice. I was, you know, I'm not. It's so funny for me to be a radical. I get really, really skittish around change. But that was nice money. That was nice.
0: You know, because I love you, so I consider how I'm going to intro your segment. Okay. Um So, for those of y'all, <laughs> this might be your first Queer Walk episode. This is the segment where Nikita breaks down some social justice jargon, some current issue that we need to know about as queer folks of color, or she relates a larger issue to us in particular and why we need to know about it. Um, answers our social justice questions and just, just is... The amazing organizer, black feminist bad bitch that she is. So take it away, Nikita. High praise. All right. So. I got to take, I'll take it back after. Cause you know, you'd be getting a big head. Um, how,
1: I mean, just how sick is it to try to, to give somebody love and then to viciously rip it away? (laughs) Okay. Anyway, so, so to end black history month. I really wanted to talk about black hair because it's been in the news a lot. Yeah, so I just really wanted to talk a little bit um, about black hair. And a lot of times when we talk about the, the discrimination and oppression that black people face on the basis of their hair, we say, you know, rightfully so, that like a lot of the times this comes from like, white supremacist eurocentric you know beauty standards and Mm -hmm. it comes from these ideas about black hair not being clean and unkempt and you know seen as unprofessional and I think all of that is true but there's just kind of two things that I really want to add on to that conversation yeah so I really want to talk about black hair colon discipline and politics so that's kind of that's how I want to approach it. So, a lot of folks have already seen oh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of folks at the top of the year probably already heard about DeAndre Arnold, you know, the black senior from the Barber Hill from the Barber Hills High School in Texas um, so so he was told that he wouldn't be able to walk in graduation if he didn't cut his locks. Um, so sadly he's going to another school so he can walk to graduate. And you know, I mean, so much yes, graduation is about your own like personal achievement, getting out of high school, but so much of it is a collective, about being part of your class. Right. That kind of thing. So that really so that's really terrible. That's um and uh Queen of Jay talked about this in um their episode. Uh they talked about DeAndre Arnold. Um So you can hear more about that um, there. And also, who was it? It was uh, Dwayne Wade and -hmm. Gabrielle Union made it so that he could go to the Oscars. DeAndre Arnold uh, with, uh, what's that guy's name? I think it's Matthew Cherry who did that cute, cute, super cute little short film. Hair love, mm-hmm. it is so cute. It's so cute. I really recommend um, y'all watch it. I'll put a link to that in the um, show notes. And then, of course, there was two years ago. There was Andrew Johnson in two thousand eighteen. So this was the wrestler from New Jersey. From oh New my Jersey, gosh. you know. So he identifies as mixed and multiracial. So he was a, about to do his wrestling match, but then the referee said that his you know his hair was too long and so according to the rules i guess if your hair is too long you're normally supposed to cover it up but in the case of andrew they had nothing to cover his hair up so they so the referee said either cut your hair cut your locks or you have to forfeit the match and uh, that that vi- that video went viral and it i makes can't even
0: so disgusted every time i see it
1: there's a really good Guardian article, so I'll put the link to that in there about the Andrew Johnson. But I'm not even going to – I'm not going to put a link to that video because, like, like Money said, yeah. I was – it's horrendous. It's repulsive. I mean, they just chopped his hair off. It just – like, it looks a mess. There's just no in the
0: kind of way. Some white yeah. people shaving his locks. It's gross. It's sick.
1: But an interesting thing is that the State Division of Civil Rights – in New Jersey, did an investigation and and they issued this report. And in this report, they found that New Jersey wrestling officials had interpreted the rule around hair to basically mainly only apply uh, to traditionally black hairstyles, regardless wow. of length. And so it's like it's supposed to be about quote unquote governing long hair, but we know in the practice it's actually about policing and disciplining black people's hair, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And so I've mentioned DeAndre and Andrew, but we know of course this isn't just it just isn't happening to young black boys and uh black men it happens to black people regardless of age, regardless of gender and um back in 2010 there was a case of a black woman Chastity Jones and this is in Alabama. So she was offered a job in 2010 at this place called Catastrophe Management Solutions, but they rescinded rescinded her job offer because she refused to cut her locks. And I'm going to give a little bit more details about that legal case later. I really want to talk a little bit here about black girls in schools, because this is really going to underscore Mm. my point about so much of this is about disciplining and regulation. Yes. Yeah. Uh So something that I think probably way more so now, but I think earlier, maybe like five, 10 years ago, when we used to talk about the school to prison pipeline, and I think when we talk about like yeah, when we talk about incarceration and that thing, that kind of thing, we we often talk about uh, black men, uh, black boys, and I think that's important. But there's also this piece about black girls. I think, again, in recent years, I think there's been a lot more discussion and analysis mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. about this. But we all know uh, that black girls are w- often discipline more harshly in school than their white peers and yep. dress codes are a huge part of that problem. Yes. So black girls make up 16% of all the girls in U S public schools, but account for 42% of girls expulsions and more than a third of gr- girls school based arrests. And get this here, almost 70% of school dress codes in DC uh, for example, prevent students from wearing cultural items like head wraps, scarves, head wraps and scarves unless they are for religious purposes. And of course, in other parts of the country, a lot of these dress code bans um, ban Black students from wearing, you know, our hair in natural styles, locks, braids, and that kind of thing. And so, and again, so much. The thing that I think is interesting is that Deandre and Andrew are public school students, but all of this stuff around like school disciplining and how it disproportionately affects, you know, black students, like black girls in particular. It reminded me that a lot of these bans and a lot of the like regulation, on um, like black kids' hair. Like from like six, seven years ago, a lot of this was really happening in charter schools. Uh-huh. And so I really feel like charter schools have really served as a laboratory for a lot of these bans and regulations. And I want to talk about why that's important. And in, in when I talk about this theme about discipline, so without trying to get into a long discussion about the privatization of education, it's basically, um, so we know that a lot of charter schools are disproportionately um, black and Latino. And we know that public schools in our communities are like severely un- underfunded. And it's like I know a lot of folks, like a lot of friends who have worked in charter schools and they hate it because so much of the culture around these charter schools. It's all about making sure that little black kids really discipline are disciplined and follow order. Like I remember one of my friends who was in a um charter school who taught in a charter school like the kids had to walk with their finger over their mouth they weren't allowed to talk in hallways it's so much of it reminds me of prison Prison, you know what i mean
0: yeah Yeah.
1: and so again so much about charter schools is about like disciplining and regulating not just children but like i said i don't want to get too far in the weeds around this but so much the the charter school so much of the The rhetoric around charter schools, the reason why there's been such a ballooning of charter schools is because so much of the language around public schools is like, you know, they suck. You know, they're not really educating our kids. But it's like the reason why a lot of those schools, a lot of the public schools, you know, suck is because they're not properly resourced. Right. Because so many of the schools in our communities depend on um, schools in general are funded by tax By taxes, property taxes, and we just don't have the property taxes in our community, right? So we need our schools to be funded. So the charter schools were a way have been it's the way that they want to privatize other kinds of resources and public goods in our community school privatization is in so much. It's about, you know, it's like. At some level, it's about disciplining public schools because it's like, and there's so much. I mean, Bill Gates and all these other. There's so many millionaires and billionaires who are pouring money into private schools, but you know, trying to get a public school adequately funded. I mean, it's it's almost um, impossible,
0: impossible. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so,
1: so much of the language around race to the top um, with Obama was basically like, if you're, and so much of, and the. What ends up happening is that a lot of the public schools, because they're not doing well, because they're not properly resourced, they end up they end up shuttered and closed. You know what I mean? So there's there's so much disciplining, you know, that's happening. So it's like if your test scores aren't good because, you know, we've got all this high stakes testing, then it's you close. And so what I'm trying to paint here is that there's a broader system of like disciplining and punishment. You know, that's happening within like black Mm -hmm. and brown communities, black and brown schools. And so, to me, it's not a coincidence that so many, so certainly not only, but so many of these hair bands around natural hair and that kind of thing is like, it's a, I think so much of it's not, it's not a coincidence to me that a lot of that happened and has happened in like private schools and like these charter schools that are a part of these larger. Um, disciplining regimes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was an example from like a while ago, but in Chicago, and again, if you, um, the, Chicago was rapidly undergoing a lot of um, privatization of education, and that's a lot of what the Chicago's teachers union were fighting. Uh, but anyway, so um, the parents and students have in some schools in Chicago were subjected to exorbitant fees that were upwards of $2,000 for minor infractions, such as quote unquote um, unkempt appearances, you know, and we know like we were talking about, like I mentioned earlier that so much around the conversation around natural hair, like the white supremacist conversation around natural hair is that it's like not clean and it's dirty. Right. But again, so again, Again, so it's about disciplining. It's like you're, you, you, you have to, it's disciplining and punishment. It's like you have to be, you have to pay a fine because you're, because you're not what we consider to be, you know, conformed to whatever backwards, bland notions of, you know, order mm-hmm. or like professionalism and that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's so much about what's happening a lot in these charter schools. Um, th- the kind of, the other piece the related point that I wanted to bring in around politics. So it's like black hair has all like historically, like has, you know, black bodies in general, but you know, black hair has, you know, white folks and people in power have always wanted to tame it. But something that I feel like is missing from this conversation is that I don't feel like it's a coincidence that like, you have the the revolutions like the revolutionary political like organizations and analysis of the 60s and 70s and like so much around that natural hair movement in the 60s and 70s was directly tied to those revolutionary anti-capitalist socialist Mm -hmm. you know anti-establishment roots and I think I think that we're living in the aftermath of that. So whether individuals who have natural hair are like radical or revolutionary or not, yeah. I still feel like in so many ways it's it's a res- it seems like a latent response to that.
0: Yeah. Mhm.
1: So, I want to read this quote from Angela Davis. Um so she says I was portrayed as a conspiratorial and monstrous communist, that is, anti-American, whose unruly natural hairdo symbolized black militancy, that is, anti-whiteness. And I feel like that, to me, is a really key part of the discussion that I don't feel like a lot of—I feel like a lot of people miss. Yeah. You know?
0: That's— yeah. You remember when we was playing uh black card revoked and we was like who has the best afro? It's like Angela Davis hands down. Angela Davis. She's like right. uh, um emblematic of the afro, you know? But but I think specifically like when I was younger before I even truly knew like the gravity of who she was, if you said something that was just a little pro black. They didn't even have to be revolutionary. People be like, "Okay, Angela oh, Davis." Okay,
1: Angela Davis. <laughs> yeah,
0: right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it's so funny that you mention that because when it, it's so my aunt when I cut my hair when I went natural, my aunt she was teasing, but she meant it with like love. She she used to call she used to, every time I would like talk to them or I would go home and see them. They'd be like they'd put the fist up and they would see me. They'd be like, "Fight the power." Yeah. And when I <laughs> And she got me one of those picks with the fist.
0: Yes, yeah, mm-hmm,
1: right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like that. Not only does that like that's a cultural memory that we have, but I also think it's a cultural memory, a cultural and political memory that like people in power have. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and it made me. This also made me think about one of my favorite quotes from. Tony Morrison's Tar Baby so one of her characters like one of the main characters in the book his name is Sun and so first of all I love this book because the um what do you call that oh like the personification of like things and the way she describes things in that book it's so beautiful but this is how she describes Sun's hair so she says Sun's hair looked overpowering physically overpowering like bundles of long whips or lashes That could grab her and beat her to jelly. And wood. Wild, aggressive, vicious hair that needed to be put in jail. Mm. Uncivilized reform school hair. Mau Mau Attica chain gang hair. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, (laughs) that quote, the quote is so beautiful to me because I think like she really also nails it, right? So that, because she's naming like black like revolutionary black struggles, like the Mau Mau uh, yeah. movement in Ken- yeah. Kenya, uh-huh. you know, the Attica Prison Rebellion. Yep. And then even the language and reform schools, you think about what they've what um, folks did to indigenous folks cutting off their yep. hair. Cutting their hair. And sh- yep. and so it's about uncivilized and it's about so it's not just about taming of the hair, but it's also about taming a particular kind of ra- radical and revolutionary potential and consciousness. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Yeah. And and it's so funny because earlier I mentioned, you know, school discipline and we know about the school to prison pipeline. And mm-hmm. I feel like one of the places where you can see these attacks on like radical politics and like black people's hair is in prison. In
0: prison. Yep. I was just thinking. Exactly. About that. Like um, you know, with uh Philadelphia move, like all of them had locks and the the fight to like keep their locks when they were like wrongfully imprisoned you know
1: in prison and i exactly
0: even more present like lil wayne when he got locked up back in like what like oh six oh seven, um and how he had to fight to keep his locks in jail you know
1: exactly exactly and so prison officials often claim you know that they try to say that these bands on long hair And particularly locks is about hygiene and making sure that prisoners, people who are incarcerated and people who are in prison can't, you know, basically smuggle contraband in. And then the obvious, the obvious response to that is, well, how come you're not shaving everybody's heads? That means women wouldn't be able to have long hair. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: Um, Well,
0: certain women, because one of my old clients, when I was working at the hospital, Um, She had to take her braids out. She had, like, um, box braids. And they wouldn't let her keep her hair braided. You know? So, it's like... Meanwhile, somebody could have... Some, you know, white woman could have a ponytail down her back. And that's that's not considered, like, too long or whatever. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And... It made me think about Mumia Abu Jamal. Yes. So Mumia Abu Jamal, who's a political prisoner, writer, journalist, and he, you know, he was a member of the Black Panther Party. Um, he's been on death row, unfortunately, um, for decades. Yeah. And I found this article. I think it was from like um, 2012, where uh, he told his lawyer that he had been in. He was basically held in administrative custody because he refused to cut his locks. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he had also been, um, held in disciplinary custody for an inordinate amount of time because he refused to cut his locks. And it's so funny because I had it in my notes, but you brought it up before me. Um, you know, he was also a longtime supporter of Move Nine and think about how they wore their hair. Yeah. Think about, uh, we talked about him, uh, when we talked about, um, like the Black Panther Party, uh, we talked about Mutulu uh, Shakur, he had locks. You think about yes. Asada, she had locks. Yep. And then, and again, it's not just, and it's about Mutulu Shakur, Mumia Abu Jamal, Asada Shakur. All of these people are people with like revolutionary and radical politics. politics. Yep. And then, of course, there's that wonderful clip that we often see. I'll put a link to it. That wonderful clip of Kathleen Cleaver talking about what they called at the time the natural. And like, the afro. And so she was like, you know, we're embracing, you know, like, black people wearing their hair natural. And it's so funny. And the chant, because they're sh- chanting, like, black is beautiful. Free Huey. Yeah.
0: <laughs> together. You know, so.
1: Together. <laughs> together.
0: Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: And then there's this case um, from uh, 2007. Um, in Virginia, there is a man, uh, Bernard Garris. So he... Dude had locks down to his waist. And this this is so disgusting what happened to him. So the jail's emergency response team, you know, a sick, uh, the only emergency, they're not responding to any kind of real emergency. But anyway, the emergency response right. team, they wore masks. They had electric shock shields and a gun, and they forcibly strapped him into a chair and they cut off his hair. Hmm. And uh, again, he's a, he's, Um, He's an open Rastafarian. Again, that's another, you know, anti-establishment, anti-white supremacy political movement. And so this happened in uh, the Hampton Roads uh, Regional Jail. And so this is from the haircut policy from that jail. It states inmates will have freedom in their personal grooming, except when a valid interest justifies otherwise and it's like that's so broad that 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 could mean anything that doesn't mean anything right and this is what it also says it also states that quote no unusual or exotic hairstyles will be permitted now who was who was society is considered to have unusual or exotic hairstyles
0: Exactly. exactly and
1: um so one of the uh people uh one of like the I think the the like the head guy of the jail or somebody said that they verified that Garrus was very belligerent and refused to cut his hair so the jailers cut it for him and then the yeah the head guy of the jail said quote you're not going to be a street thug in our jail mm. and it's like they've just imbued all this stuff into black, yeah, black hair. hair and I think yeah. like it's right and it's like and i think the point like i just love the fact and i know that they talked about it in this article as a way to like trash garris but i love the fact that they talk about how he was belligerent it's like you should be belligerent Mm -hmm. if somebody's cutting your hair but again it also to me it goes back to that point which tony morrison so beautifully captures in that statement it's like uncivilized it refused to be disciplined refused to be tamed you know and there was another there's another political prisoner, uh, Chewy Ferguson L. He was actually part of the Black Liberation Army, one of the folks uh, who helped liberate um, Assad. Um, and so um, something I don't want to forget to miss is that it's also important to point out that a lot of um, our, like, Black revolutionary heroes are Muslim. Yes. And so, like, it's also a part yeah. of that. Right, right. And so, anyway, uh, with uh, Chewy Ferguson... Um, He was also held in administrative segregation because he refused to cut his hair. So he's a black revolutionary and a Muslim, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think so I just keep trying to make this point that so much of this is about like, I think, especially in, in the political period, you know, post 60s, post 70s. I think there's still so much of that of like that fear. Again, I think even, even if you like, you don't have those politics yourself, I feel like the natural hair locks froze, still recall so much of this revolutionary period. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's also tamed yes, and yeah. disciplined. And so I mentioned the, the case of Chastity Jones um, earlier. And so she filed a, a complaint and Equal Employment Opportunity Commission in 2013, they filed a lawsuit on her behalf, um, you know, because she was denied, well, she was offered the job, then they rescinded it. Mm-hmm. And um, she was also with the help of the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund, her case went to the Supreme Court. And of course, the Supreme Court refused to hear it. And as of late, there's been a lot, lot of um, legislation, like, the, I know the stuff where we live in New York, there's stuff in California. Um, they're, they're working on stuff in New Jersey, since uh, Ohio, Maryland, but what's Protection called the natural ca- hairstyles. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this, uh, it's called crown. And so it's creating a respectful and open world for natural hair act. You know, it's about trying to get at the discrimination that black people face for wearing our hair in natural styles. And so Holly Mitchell is one of the Democrats, um, who, um, who, like what's that term? Who proposes legislation in California? And so, one of the things that she says is, "This is not just about hair; it's about acknowledgement of personal rights. It's about checking bias." And it's like, I'm, I think the, I think that the legislation is good, but it's like. You know, I, I think it's really interesting that she's like, "Oh, it's about you know personal rights and bias," and I'm like, "You know, I don't expect any kind of legislator to be like, you know." And it's also about you know trying to tamp down on any sort of even symbol of radical or revolutionary politics. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I guess just the um, the last thing that I wanted to share is that there is this really wonderful essay from Audre Lord. And it's a short piece and it's called, Is Your Hair Still Political? And so she's talking about this time when she went to, she was going to the Caribbean with one of her really good friends. And so she's, they're get, they're about to get on the plane and there's a black woman who's an immigration officer who's like, oh, like who does your hair, blah, blah, blah. And at this time, Audre Lorde is wearing locks. And so the immigration, uh, the immigration customs officer, uh, who's a black woman, is asking Audrey Lorde all these questions. And it's like, oh, I, I don't know if you she says you're not allowed. Like, I can't allow you to get on the plane with your hair like that. And Audrey Lorde is like, my hair is clean. Like, like it's like it's not there's nothing unsanitary about it. So, like, what are you what are you trying to get at? Like, you know, I haven't done anything. There's nothing wrong with my hair, right? Yeah, so she's like, you know, what's wrong with my hair? It's not unhealthy, it's not unsanitary, it's not immoral, and it certainly is not unnatural. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so the woman, and so it's so funny because g- going back to my point about this hair being connected to political stuff, because the immigration officer asked her, "Are you Rasta?" And then, um, you know, is she a Rastafarian? Okay, so she says, they didn't ask me if I was a murderer, didn't ask me if I was a drug dealer or a racist, or if I was a member of the KKK. Instead, he asked me if I was a follower of the Rastafarian religion. She goes on to say, some see locks and they see revolution. Hmm. Because Rastafarians smoke marijuana as a religious right, some see locks and automatically see drug peddlers. But the people who are pushing drugs throughout the Caribbean do not wear locks. They mm. wear three piece suits, carry attache cases and diplomatic pouches and usually have no trouble at all passing through immigration.
0: Come on, Audrey. So
1: yeah. I just so I just really wanted to end on that note because mm. I mean Audrey Lord, I mean, who so so often she just she just shuts it down and, and like says it like it is. But yeah, I just love that line. Some see locks and they see revolution. And I really feel like, again, I feel like that's kind of a missing piece from this conversation. Mm-hmm. There, I just mm-hmm. kind of wanted to throw in there, you know,
0: yeah. to wrap
1: up Black History Month.
0: Yes, yeah. I thank you so much for that, Nikita. Cause, yeah, I'm just thinking the other day. Um, I saw our dear friend Ernest, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, your locks." are almost as long as they were when I first met you. And it just, like, reminded me that this is, you know, round two of me locking my hair because the first time I shaved my head because of stuff like this, you know? Like, um, and now, now I, 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 I had never even thought about it being so connected to, like, radical politics, right? Because, like, they would say things to me in my um, old department about, like, me making therapy about myself by wearing my hair in locks, but, and they're like, you know, ther- th- therapy is supposed to be like, um, like an apolitical space. So they would like equate it to somebody wearing like a really big cross or something. Making a statement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah. actually, yes yeah, it's, it's not the same at all, but when you when you connect it, when you make assumptions about my religion, about my political alignment, no matter how true or not true they are, just because right. of the way I wear my hair, like, it, yeah, it is connected to, like, the politics. They see locks and they see revolution. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, I, it made me think about Ah, uh, the cover of Monique Morris's book Push Out, and mm, and I yeah. and the black girl with the braids on the cover of that, um, and you know, talking to my baby sister today about like her struggles at work with her hair, right? Um, and just and you shout
1: out to Nunu because yeah. Nunu is the one that absolutely inspired this.
0: Yeah, and we love you, Nunu. <laughs> and, we love you so much. Yeah, and nobody should ever force you to go into the bathroom to change your hair at work you know right and, uh, yeah you just like connected a, a lot of stuff for me with this um this lecture so thank you Nikita <laughs> and just yeah like the co- the connection between um like, a lot of these folks are also Muslim and, like, the Islamophobia that's just so... Right. ...wrapped in all of this stuff, too. No, wrapped, like, hair wraps. No pun intended, but, like, really. Like, why can't you wear hair wraps? Um, why can't you wear certain styles? Yeah. It's it's definitely, like, a, a policing and disciplining of our culture, of our cultural mm-hmm. practices. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. This is one bliggity black-ass episode. <laughs> bliggity bliggity (laughs) black all right so the topic segment is where we discuss everything that won't fit into the other segments you've
1: Um, got to stop i'm i've rebuked this stop doing the topic like this this the topic segment is the segment where money okay Exactly, um, <laughs> so this is so funny because the topic segment is a segment where Nikita and Money wax poetically about some. Okay, I I just, I just needed can't to say wax it. poetically. We wax poetically about things that are too full, too robust to be contained by the other segments.
0: Here we go, you and your robustness. <laughs> um, I'll show you robust. So we have, (laughs) this is so, it's funny how things have been aligning with our, um, with our like word, our mental moment and the topics in these past two episodes. We didn't plan this at all, but like thinking about me doing a self-love mental moment and then you going into our hair and then the two questions we have. It's just amazing. Um... So the first question. So these two questions came from Tumblr. So shout out to everybody who still supports us on Tumblr, where it all began. Um, if it wasn't for y'all, there would be no queer Walks. So shout out to all the Tumblr followers.
1: Shout out to the Tumblr. So anonymous, even though you have got rid of your X-rated
0: material. I know. Oh. So anonymous wrote, um, "Hello, I have a question. Money's locks are incredible." I would love to hear tips for newbie lock havers on proper lock care. Um, isn't that so funny that we got this question right after you did that word?
1: I had no idea that was even in there. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. Um wow. So, first of all, thank you. Uh, my locks. <laughs> um, I'm always thinking my locks are crunchy and I need to be doing more. But I guess they photograph well. You know, they're just like me. They're photogenic.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Um, <laughs> so I guess the, the tips that I have for newbie locks, um, I first of all, I started my locks with two-strand twists. Um, and don't be afraid to get your hair wet. Like, getting your hair wet is actually what helps the locking process when you're a newbie locker um because when we wet our hair, it elongates our curls and as it dries, it um our curls like shrink back up and having your hair do that as much as it can helps it lock faster. Cuz think about it when you're a loose natural, right? Like when your hair dries, that's when it gets um tangled and like <laughs> you know, like harder to comb through. Um, and so you want your hair to do that drying process as much as possible so it can lock quicker. Um, I was I was like so obsessed with getting my hair to just hurry up and lock so my twists wouldn't slip out. So, um, yeah, so that's that's my first tip is to don't be afraid to wet your hair. All right. My second tip is don't go overboard with products because it's just going to be hard as hell to wash it out of your locks. Keep it simple. I use water to moisturize. Water is the only thing that moisturizes. <laughs> Everything else just locks the moisture in. Um, so you I know. needed that lesson in, uh, an eternity ago. <laughs> <laughs> so like I, when I first started locking, like my first set of locks, uh, like I just talked about, this is my second set. My first set, I was so obsessed with like my parts and was using all of these colorful products that would dye my hands blue while I was retwisting like you don't need any of that (laughs) yeah for real um I won't call out the brand name but they had this like lock gel that was blue it smelled amazing but it turned it literally turned my fingertips blue while I was uh retwisting my locks so that's not nothing you want in your hair because Locks do just that. They lock <laughs> in everything. And so you don't want all that color in there, then your locks be looking ashy and then you you looking at your hair like what the hell and it's because of all the product that you put in it. Um yeah, so just like keep it simple. Spray bottle full of water, um use all the all the oils to lock that um that water in. My favorites are coconut oil. My hair loves coconut oil. Um, and, uh, tea tree oil because my, um, my scalp gets itchy and I love the, like, burn of tea tree. I'll put a few drops of peppermint oil in my water bottle and, like, shake it up and spray my hair with that. Uh, now that my locks are longer, I've been using, like, aloe vera to keep it moisturized to keep the uh, water in, and because I live in Syracuse where it's so cold, I don't want because my hair is wet. I don't want it to get like brittle when I go out into the cold. So al- aloe vera is really good for that. Yeah. Um, oh, and still use the like satin bonnets, pillowcase, all that mm. stuff, just like the loose naturals, because you can get split ends in your locks, and then you know your locks will feel dry even though they're not just because you got split ends all in them it's just like nat- uh loose naturals we gotta you know we gotta do the wraps and the bonnets and the, the pillowcases too it's still natural hair our curls are still the same curls that they were when they were loose so you gotta protect them in the same way so yeah hope that helps and I'm really excited this is the first time somebody has ever asked me about lock advice so yeah
1: <laughs> That's great They asked the right person Because one thing that is truly busted about me I do know That's why I had to just cut this shit off Because I "I can't I just can't do this shit
0: (laughs) But you can, Nikita I've seen you with such a cute, like, high top It just
1: just takes too much It just takes too much I just had Mm -hmm. to cut it
0: Mm -hmm. And I mean,
1: I know I don't want anybody to drag me Because they be like Oh, she think just because she cut it She ain't got to have no kind of hair routine No, I know,
0: I know, I know I do (laughs) Oh, and lastly, don't over-twist it. Don't over-twist your hair. It'll thin out your locks. Um, take it from me. Don't over-twist. All right. Um, and so then we have a- another. No, I was just going to say
1: that oh. I feel like other lock-havers oh. should, you know, be sure to give Anonymous some tips. So either use the hashtag, mm-hmm. #queerwoc or queer W O C P O D or shoot us an email and let us know how you love your locks.
0: Oh, that's such a good idea, Nikita. Oh, yeah. Tell us. I know. Yeah. I know y'all got some beautiful locks because I be seeing these little Abbies when y'all be uh messaging on Instagram and Twitter, so and you know I have a lock fetish So uh, Ooh, okay. how you this, doing uh, <laughs> This is uh, We're off task here Alright so um the second Blickety black question Is from Femme Okay so I'm going to read the letter from Femme And they write Hey y'all I've been Binging your podcast for the past Few weeks thanks to hearing about The show on Tea with Queen and Jay Oh shout out to Tea with Queen and Jay I'm having a dilemma. I'm a black femme lesbian. When I'm on campus at my university, I'm out and proud, but I feel like being so is preventing me from making black friends. It feels isolating because I want a black gay circle, but being at a PWI makes, for those who might not know, PWI means predominantly white institution. Um, I think we should call them intentionally. Painfully. (laughs) Right, painfully Wank white institutions. institutions, intentionally white institutions, <laughs> um, historically white institutions, whatever, um, makes it hard. When I mention my lesbianism in black spaces, I feel the vibe change for the worse. How can I find black gay solidarity from fem? Nikita, you want to start? Oh boy,
1: um, I'm trying to think about this, and I feel. I don't know if I can give advice, but I feel like I can only talk about what I've tried to do in my life. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I absolutely hear, understand, and have experienced the thing about bringing up queerness in black spaces. But I know in my own personal experiences in life, it has been far easier for me to try to deal with that and navigate that. I feel like I've always felt it's been easier for me to find black queer people in black spaces yes. rather than the other way around. Yeah. I mean, I think meaning like going to like
0: queer spaces, gay spaces and trying to find yeah. black people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it. I think it might also, I don't know. I feel like I'm starting to see some shifts though, because I mean, I'm 31 and I think about like, just like, I think there's, like, the culture has, like, really shifted and changed. I don't want to, like, romanticize things in a way, but I feel like I think in a lot of, like, queer spaces relative to how it's been, I feel like there, there has been some kind of shifts, right? Like, I mean, you think about, like, I don't and I know it's, like, colored by the world that I live in, but, like, think about, I th- think about, like, the reaction you see to like Pete Buttigieg, you know, I just bring up, I just like to bring him up anytime I can so I can trash him and remind people of how much I hate him. But I say this to say that there are so many, like I think 10 years ago, five, seven years ago, people would have been ecstatic about a Pete Buttigieg. And there's so many queer people now who are like, get this motherfucker out of here. And I say that to say that it seems like There's, like, some kind of shifts. I don't want to overstate it, but I I do feel like there have been shifts in the queer community that I think it's worth at least going going there to see if there are some, like, queer people of color particularly like queer black people who like you might jive with again Mm -hmm. because i feel like there's i do feel like there's been some shifts especially if you're at university now then you're younger than us yeah and i say that as like i think it was i think what i'm trying to say is that the 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 culture of like queer spaces i think is different than it was 10 years ago does Mm -hmm. that make sense do you agree with that I,
0: i agree yeah like from 09 when i was an undergrad um I even saw this tweet recently that was like was everybody's gay straight alliance like that? And y'all know what I mean by like that. And they're like yeah, yeah, you know, like these these, you know, assigned female at birth white folks who are exactly, <laughs> just like exactly taking up all this space and um even even with the the shifts I mean, you know, Syracuse is a terribly racist uh, campus, and I even see, like, the pushes and the shifts that happen uh, in the undergrad LGBTQ groups here. Um, you know, like, our homie Babyface was, like, black president of Pride Union. Yeah. And um, even when their their governing body is all white, like, the, the effort that they make to have programming that's inclusive of queer people of color or like always highlighting some like, uh, history that queer folks of color have contributed. It just feels like white queers know now that like these spaces are ex- exclusive or racist. Um, and so there's at least an awareness around that.
1: It's so I- uh, No matter how
0: deep or shallow it is.
1: There's like an awareness around it. And it's like, because- On some level, there's even, like, these nods or gestures towards, like, quote-unquote inclusivity. That's a word I've come to hate, but I'll talk about that at another time. I say that to say that there might be more likely, like, because of the change in the the culture, you might find one or two or a handful black queer people. And quite frankly, that's all you need. That's all you need. Because you you need to find, because really what you need to find. Is just the the connect
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the plug. Right. Who
1: who knows <laughs> who knows where the, where you know the folks be at.
0: Yep. So I have some suggestions for uh, for that specifically, like where the folks be at. Um, go ahead.
1: I just I think I think it's important to say that it's funny money. So I never I money and I met through the through. A specifically Qpak organization yes. on campus. Now, I didn't go to anything else that resource center did um, because I was old and I was black, and I was I don't want to be a, you know, I don't want to spend most of my time around like little undergrads. So, and th- and it was a person, and again, why you have to find the connect? Because somebody was like, I think it was T Gray. There was like, y'all need to meet. It was T Gray. And so that's why you got to find that's why you got to have that connect. Like I said, I don't have any other relationship, honestly, to that resource center besides that one group that was for queer people of color. Yes. And I met so many people um, that way.
0: Yeah. Fusion was my family. You know, y'all still are my yeah. family. Um, Very much. Yeah. So that that was actually going to be my first suggestion for where the folks be. Like if there is a, a LGBTQ Folks of color group either on campus or in the community where your university is located. um, That might be a good place to start this. I'm not saying this to be funny. I'm like being genuinely serious. Go to the women's basketball games. That's so true. That is where the queer dudes be. That's where the queer girls be. Um, And it's also so incredibly like under attended. In comparison to the men's basketball games, it's just so easy to bump into people and talk to them at the game. It's not like, you know, a bunch of drunk, rowdy people where there's no socializing that's possible. It's completely possible at a women's basketball game to meet people. Can I have something? I have another idea that you just said. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that like transportation and stuff
1: can be a big issue. I don't know where you are, but if you can get off campus, see... I would also see what uh, the black and queer scene off campus is like.
0: Mhm. If yeah. you can. Mhm.
1: Cuz like uh, I mean I'm thinking about like I mean like just to reiterate, I feel like I met other like so much of the organizing that I do here. Yes. Even if it's not like queer focused, it just be like the like queer folks of color and queer black folks just be there just be there and like, exactly. and i didn't and i didn't wake up saying i'm i'm trying to find these people but it's that's just you know where we were and a lot of that mm. was off campus also
0: exactly yes so the organizing spaces be teaming with the cupock um the last place that i was going to suggest is um small concerts or like uh as much as i hated spoken word events and stuff yeah, like any anywhere that's small and kind of like artsy. <laughs> I
1: was gonna say something artsy fartsy. That's yeah, so true.
0: Yeah, so it's like um, yeah, I've I've met other queer folks of color um, at like small concerts. Remember when we went to that uh, that play Messiah? How many? Yeah. There was so many black queers there. So many. Um, so yeah, just any space that's like small POC focused and kind of artsy, there's going to be some black queers there.
1: And I know this advice gets dicey and tricky. So I'm not, I think if someone gives you some kind of queer vibe, I think you just go up and say hello. And I don't, and I'm not saying you go up and say, hello, fellow homosexual, hello, (laughs) queer or something like that but I mean I think we've said this before so much so much of making friends reminds me so much of dating yeah that like you really have to like put yourself out there like there have been so many times um like so this is something I think about like with my job because it's like I'm normally around a lot of like old white dudes Mm -hmm. or just like white dudes generally so like anytime that there's like a person of color or or particularly like a black person I'm always like hey like how you doing you know sometimes people give you the um the nod yeah and then some (laughs) people don't do anything and then you're like okay I'm not I'm not gonna hang I'm not that person's not worth engaging Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but then so I like I really just like try to like put myself out there and be like hey yeah yeah and You know, namas gay. The queer you is, you know, probably going to see the queer and somebody else and vice versa.
0: Nikita, I was just thinking that because I was thinking back on me being an undergrad when, you know, like I'm celebrating my 10 year anniversary of being gay, like out loud, but, but like I, I wasn't, I wasn't this out as like a first year, a sophomore, even a junior, you know, but every, almost, Like, 90% of my friend group were queer folks, you know? And so, it's just like, don't overlook the namas gay, you know? (laughs) It's like, maybe the black folks that you're, like, inherently or or intrinsically drawn to are other queer folks. And just because y'all not naming it right now, doesn't mean that that's not your black queer community. Exactly. Exactly. Hope it helps, Femme.
1: Let us know how it goes, yeah. Yeah. And if you yourself have been in the same predicament as femme, well, then I encourage you to use the hashtag #queerwocpod or just hashtag #queerwoc or send us something a little bit more personal, a little bit oh more private here she, here she to our Gmail, which is queerrockpod at gmail
0: Yeah. How do y'all make How do y'all make QPod community, Black queer community? <laughs> All right, Nikita, we're going to move it on along to our final segment, Curved Chronicles. Curved, 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 And Curved Chronicles is the segment where we discuss our dating woes and wins as queer women of color. Uh, So, Nikita, got any more Curved Chronicles?
1: I don't have any curved chronicles. All the old men have been <laughs> behaving themselves, or at least in this part of the world.
0: Ain't nobody, ain't nobody else see that haircut and lose their mind? I
1: mean, I'm sure they have, uh, They have, but they've done it quietly and from afar.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well. Do you have a curved uh, chronicle? I do not, no.
1: Welp, it's in these ruts. Where we really need to hear from listeners like you,
0: submit your curve chronicles to QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. please share with us um can I just like uh muse a little I have some like gay musings on dating? Oh you go know, ahead it's hard. <laughs> Um, I was talking to one of my like mentors slash former professors slash like friends about dating, and she was just like, "I don't get why it's so hard. Like, just do it." And um, and she was like, "You know, all these all these like uh, restrictions or like limitations you're you're like putting those on your dating life, right? They're like self imposed." So uh, like, oh, the person has to be this age and like how I'm going to do that. So she's like, you know, just don't put any pressure on it for a while to kind of like live outside of this idea that it has to be this big, huge thing. Um, and she was just like, yeah, just get on the apps and just play basically like make it fun. Mm, that's yeah. right. That's the right way to think about it. And so, um, you know, I wasn't on any dating apps because I honestly don't know how to make a successful profile on a dating app. Like, uh, you know, part of me is like, oh, people don't ever read the bio. They just look at the picture. So make sure your picture is bomb. But then Mm -hmm. I always like to fill in the bio because I'm someone who reads the bio. And I don't know. It's like. Every, everything starts running through my head. But I did get on Bumble and I realized that not a lot of people up here use Bumble like hardly anybody. I guess uh, Tinder still dominates Syracuse or like Central New York. Um, Bumble's not a popular mm-hmm. app up here. But I really like it. I think it's cute. Um, Yeah. But other than that, I've just been like I said having dangerous crushes. Man, just doing that, straight girl crushes. Yeah. Oh no! Dangerous.
1: Told you. Ah uh, yeah. I was about to say I don't miss those days.
0: But. <laughs> but you do. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. It's a it's a orientational hazard, I guess, because you know, I'm a, I'm a. Tr- Wow. Orientational (laughs) I'm attracted to women and some of them are bound to not be queer, so Mm. Uh, touche.
1: But alas, I think that the musing or the tidbit from your friend is right.
0: Just have fun and play. play. Yeah. She was like, you know, you're young, you're fun. Get out there and just play. Don't make it so deep. And I like that advice. So I thought I would share it in the Curve Chronicles, you know. I like that too. So, you know, don't spiral. Just have fun. All righty. All right, Nikita. Well, we have wrapped up episode 81 of Queer Walk the Podcast.
1: We have.
0: Don't forget to send and submit all the things uh, using the hashtag Queer Walk. You can DM us at Queer Walk Pod or you can send it to Queer Walk Pod at gmail.com. If you want us to do a live show or you want to see Nikita's lesbian luminary labor lectures or my mental moments with money in person, hit us up queerwalkpod at gmail.com to uh, book us for your upcoming events. All right. So this has been money, the clean house cutie.
1: And this has been Nikita. (laughs) (laughs) AKA
0: And you just listen to Queer Walk the Podcast. Bye y'all.